you know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from quince. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly... Uh, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. Mm. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Forever35. Hey, friends. Kate and Dory here. Hi. We are currently on a little vacation break. Yeah. Because everybody needs their rest. But especially us. Oh, yes. We <laughs> are the two hardest working women in podcasting. 
close. <laughs> there are many other hardworking women <laughs> in podcasting, but we're some of them. So we're taking a little rest. And while we do, we're replaying some of our fave apps. And this week, we've got episode 49, Money Talks with Amanda Clayman. Yeah, she got into some real intense questions that our listeners sent in. She's a financial therapist and whew, therapist. She did. We went deep. We did. It was, but it was very healing. It too. was healing. It was a really satisfying and interesting conversation. I agree. So enjoy our conversation with Amanda Clayman. Hello, welcome to Forever 35 a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Dori Shafrir. And I'm old Kate Spencer. And we're not experts. We're just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Yep. Yep. That's true. Oh. <gasps> Whoa. We're so insane. We are vibing. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Well, I am back from vacation. Oh, you sure are. And can I tell you, I got a, I did get a facial right before I left. Mm. And the wonderful Courtney Chisano... Yes. Who gave me a facial. Friend of the pod. She loaded me up with little sample size serum-y goodies. What? To use on my face on the plane. Oh my goodness. It was a true treat. That's so fun. So I had a whole, like a little ritual that I was doing. I used a Nuori moisture mask Mm -hmm. that goes on white, but then like you kind of rub it in and it's clear. So nobody could know. My daughter was horrified when I was putting it (laughs) at the airport yesterday. She was like, you're, it's all white. (laughs) So you didn't have the, didn't you have like a horrifying experience with a mask when you were going to Italy? Yep. Yep. It peeled off all over everybody. It looked like my skin was falling off my face. that didn't happen. An Italian man stared at me. That didn't happen. It was very discreet. And then once I, and then I misted myself through the whole flight, Mm. like a, wild woman mm. and then when i um landed and washed my face i put on this cream i don't even know what it was. she gave it to me in a little tiny container and then this e- brand is emergency there are these little hydra repair capsules Ooh. of this really hydrating oil Ooh. that made my skin feel amazing and i also used it on my daughter because she had a sunburn on her face and every cream i tried to put on was making her was feeling burning. Oh my goodness. She well, would like scream at me. Speaking of sunburns, I was going to compliment you on not looking tan. Thank you. I worked so hard at not getting tan. Yeah. You look great. Thank you so much. I, you know, I look like a beekeeper when I go out in the sun <laughs> because <laughs> I am just covered head to toe. That's the best way to be. I'm so paranoid about getting sunburned. No, same. And because as a kid, I spent a lot of time, like I was telling my children, I used to get sunburned on my scalp. Ooh. Oh, it was so painful. That sounds very painful. Yeah, and I, they get so mad when I like lather them down. Mm-hmm. And I try to say that I'm, I'm like, y'all, the alternative is so much worse. I know. It's painful and it's not good for you. I used to get so annoyed when my dad would, you know, my parents would try to put sunscreen. So my dad's a redhead, mm. super it's pale. Fair, yeah. And they were always trying to put sunscreen on us. And I was like, Nyeh. but, you know. I get it now, of course. Hindsight I'm like, is... like, thank God they were trying to slather me with yeah. sunscreen. <sighs> so that's what I was up to. I hydrated on a flight. It felt great. That's great. Um, I feel very fortunate to have gotten to spend some time with my family on vacation. It was a very last minute trip. I do want to just say where I got the trip. <laughs> Please tell us all. This is, let me tell you, Costco... <laughs> 
<laughs> if you ever find out about this podcast, <sighs> you gotta give me like five bucks for the advertising I've done here. I mean, we booked... they should really be like the presenting sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> we booked a vacation through Costco Travel. I am really proud of you. It was uh, so affordable. We got a breakfast deal. It was just great. Rental car. I mean, Costco, you got everything. I, I'm starting. I, I imagine listeners are starting to fucking eye roll me every time. I'm like, and guess where this came from? So listeners, I'm sorry. I know it's getting annoying. I'll shut up. But I did book a trip through Costco travel. So, and it went great. And it was great. So what am I going to do? It's just Costco keeps being so good to me. I get it. Oh, boy. Anyway, Dory, how are you doing? You know, I am doing pretty well. You are nesting. I am full on nesting. So before we left, our kitchen was in a state of disarray because they had ripped out the old kitchen, which was, as discussed previously, almost 100 years old. Yes, listeners, if you don't know, here in Dory's rental. Yeah, rental. Um, she had an old kitchen. I did. I'm repeating what you just said. Indeed. <laughs> Shut up, Kate. <laughs> but but like no one had ever touched this kitchen there in a hundred years. Parts of it that no one had ever touched, including the sink, the cabinets, and the countertops. Um, and the sink was actually starting to sink. It was tilted. It was tilted, and clearly, like at some point, was going to fall. So our landlord finally agreed to replace it. We are also getting a dishwasher, which is getting delivered tomorrow. So exciting! Um, but of course, it all took much longer than they thought it would. They said it would take four to five days. It took almost two weeks, um, and we were without a kitchen sink for that whole time. Ooh. Which guess what is annoying? Yeah, I bet. <laughs> but that's weird. Um, and so it was nice to come back from Thanksgiving. And to have all of that, except for the dishwasher, have it all be done. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. So we got back on Saturday night. And on Sunday, I ordered some stuff from Target and some stuff from the container store. And I did pick up in store and um, just start. And I'll link to all of the, all the stuff I used on the website. But, you know, I bought a new flatware organizer i bought new trays to put kitchen other kitchen utensils in yes kate <laughs> i haven't raised my hand on this podcast in a while but i'm bringing it back i would love to watch an instagram stories series about your kitchen reorganization you know it's funny you say that i had initially asked matt if he would shoot an instagram live of me like putting stuff away in the kitchen and he was like okay but then yesterday our our schedules just got a little crazy and we didn't have time. Um, and so I ended up doing most of it myself, but yeah, I will give everyone a tour of the kitchen. I got some bins. I got a taste of it. That's why I'm suggesting. Yeah. We all, we all want to see. I mean, it's not done. I should also say that part of the reorg, um, was a, a little bit of a purge. It turned out Love we had a lot of water bottles. <laughs> we have so many like, water bottles. with logo, you know, logo water bottles. You accumulate water bottles. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, we don't need these. I would love, is there a donation system for water bottles? I was going to just put them outside and with a sign that says free. <laughs> okay. Um, and hope that people took them. Um, I guess I could drop them off at, you know, I, I bring stuff to the Council of Jewish Women. I don't know if they will like old water bottles, <laughs> but maybe they will. Um, so that felt good to get rid of all that stuff. We also decided to 
we had a we had a mountain of I use the word Tupperware, even though none of it is technically Tupperware, but you know what I mean. Plastic wear. Plastic wear. Um, and you know what? I'm really trying to get away from plastic in my life because mm-hmm. it's just not good for you. And especially when you're pregnant, it's supposed to be an endocrine disruptor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so anyway, we're trying to switch to glass. So we had some glass containers, but I decided I was going to buy one other small set of glass food storage containers, and we were going to get rid of all the old plastic Um, because we also decided we had way too much of it anyway. In addition to it being plastic, what did we need with all of this stuff? We just didn't need it all. So that also felt good to really like streamline that down. So I'm feeling really good about that. Um, but everything like our kitchen is old and they only replaced like half of it. So there's still some old cabinets there. Nothing is like the right size. Like nothing is like the standard size. So I bought something to hang over a cabinet door to like store some stuff in and it was like too wide. And you know, it's just like the shelves are narrower than like standard shelves now. So everything I was like measuring everything and, um, but I, I found some good stuff. And I'm like, I'm very, I'm feeling very calmed by it all. Bins have that effect. And you know, one of the most important things I learned from when we hired a professional organizer that is so obvious, but I just, and I never truly internalized it is putting like with like. You've said this before. It is, it, it was a game changer. It's like, no, you don't put one cookie sheet in that cabinet because it fits there and then you put two others over uh, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you have one more that just lives somewhere else. I still kind of do that, but I've gotten better. You know, just like everything. And then like the cookie sheets shouldn't be with the napkins. They should be with other stuff that you use to bake. All the baking stuff should be together. Yeah. All the things that you use to prepare food, all the, you know, preparing food utensils should be together. Like kind of thinking like that has been very helpful for me. Um, especially when organizing my kitchen, is it perfect? No, in part because everything is weirdly shaped and so (laughs) sometimes there isn't room for everything, but it's a lot better than it, than it was. So I'm feeling good about that. And then the other thing, if I may, you may, um, my sister gave me a bunch of hand-me-downs when we were at her house for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. She said, make sure to leave room in your suitcase because I'm giving you some hand-me-downs. And I said, oh, I will. Um, and another friend had previously brought me over a bunch of hand-me-downs. And so Karen's suggestion was to separate everything by size and store it by size. Yes. Like she was saying, I had a container for zero to three months, a container for three to six months, and then you can just take them out. I actually did this too, yeah. Um, And first I was going to get some stuff and put them in the shed, but the shed is really overflowing. And then I remembered, we have room under our bed. Oh, I love under bed storage. So I bought two big under bed storage units. <laughs> um, you know, the ones on wheels mm-hmm. that like slide out. I do. And... I separated everything by size. I labeled the sections of the underbed storage. Like, so there's newborn, zero to three, three to six, six to nine or 12, whatever. And then put everything together and shoved it under the bed. So satisfying. It was very satisfying. So I'm feeling nested. I'm going to wash everything when I take it out. 
And in a year when you go under the bed and pull that shit out, it's going to feel so you're going to thank your current day self. Totally. So that was very exciting. Um, yeah. Now we just have to figure out how to turn Matt's office into an office suitable for two. No big deal. <laughs> we're si- we're currently sitting in this office. Uh, it is not built for two. <laughs> Matt has approximately 30 guitars in here. Something like that. It's very impressive. Impressive is a word for it. Well, yes. I think your husband's cool. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, can I tell you something that happened to me before we, we break? Yes. We, we break for I would minute? love to hear what happened to you. I had mentioned, and I leave on last week's episode that I was going through a little bit of a health issue. It resolved, which was good. I'm very relieved to hear that. Me too, because I had a moment of panic. But I will say it was a good lesson for me about what I can control mm-hmm. and what I can't control. And I'm very grateful that I'm okay, but also just having to go through the experience of having a medical thing, not an emergency, but just like a thing I had to deal with quickly doing it. Cause we've talked about this. There's a, um, an urge to avoid, like I did want to not make the doctor's appointment cause I was scared of what I was going to find mm-hmm. out, <clears throat> but I did it. I followed through. My doctor squeezed me in and just having to sit with like the discomfort of not being in control of my health was very, it it was a, it was a learning experience. Yeah. It was hard, but I feel very, um, I don't know, glad I had to, I had to see what that felt like because there will be more medical issues to come. I know because I'm not getting any younger. None of us are. Nope. (laughs) And, uh, our bodies do weird shit, but anyway, I'm fine. Good. So that was nice. And I've been sleeping a ton. Yay. I finally have doried my sleep. Yay. To the point where I now read before I go to sleep. And if I don't get the reading in, I'm starting to feel annoyed. Mm-hmm. Like I need the reading. Mm-hmm. It's taken me about a month to get into this habit. Mm-hmm. So if you are like me, a person with a chaotic mess of a bedtime routine, just start reading at night, even for like a one page, because you'll just start getting into the habit and the habit will grow. And now I'm like doing 45 minutes. See, it's really something. It's so calming. Oh, I know a lot of people have already figured this out, but no, but I'm glad you got here. I am. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Feels great. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Anyway. Anyway, shall we take a brief break? Let's do that. 
this is what's so great about Quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling superpower short. The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get into okay, it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk 
to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass, but this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college, so this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Amanda Clayman. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Amanda is a financial therapist who helps people bring money into balance, which sounds very appealing, to be honest. Mm -hmm. She founded the Financial Wellness Program for National Arts Nonprofit, the Actors Fund, where she pioneered a cognitive behavioral approach to financial education. And to learn more about the inglorious start to Amanda's financial wellness mission, you can read the story about her $19,000 haircut. At AmandaClayman.com. Welcome. Thank you, Dory. Thank you, Kate. Hello. Hi. Um, so money is a big topic among our listeners. We get a lot of questions about money. And there is a there's a Facebook group, a spinoff group from our main group called Forever 35 Money, where people talk about this stuff. And um, when we raised the idea of having a financial therapist on the program, first of all, people, a lot of people were not aware that this was a thing that existed. Including me. Um, so people were excited about that and people had a lot of questions. Um, but I thought before we got to the questions, if you want to give just kind of a brief overview about sort of what is it that you do and what is a financial therapist? A financial therapist, well, I should say first and foremost, it's not a sort of protected term, meaning there's okay. not like an official um, definition that that has, you know, Three bullet points and everybody uses it. Um, What it basically means is somebody who is looking at the cognitive and emotional and behavioral elements to money and also sort of environmental. And um, my background is in social work. So, you know, thinking macro and micro Mm -hmm. um, is part of uh, 
our person and environment approach. Um, so essentially where I maybe differ from a financial advisor, a financial planner is I'm not giving financial advice around what you should do with your money. I, I actually remain very neutral okay. um, in terms of offering any type of uh, particular advice. What I'm really advising on and, and coaching people through is their process with money. So there are are basic ways that we can be healthy in our approach to money. And my belief is that when we have a healthy relationship with an approach to money, that actually becomes sort of the framework for which we can engage in all the different problems Mm -hmm. and challenges that arise in our financial lives. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the piece, honestly, you know, sort of in my bio, I, 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 tease this very odd sounding thing of the $19,000 haircut um, because my interest in this topic began with having a pretty spectacularly awful financial life myself. Mm. Um, I got myself into a lot of debt. I really, I had this, this emotional, um, impulsive, um, very shameful and, and um, blaming sort of relationship with money. And I couldn't do any of the things that I wanted to do to change my financial life until I really changed the the foundation of how I related to and understood money um, and how I learned to self-regulate in other ways, too. So I wasn't just using money in ways to try to make myself feel better in yeah. lots of situations. Um, and as I came to terms with that, I really thought, like, why isn't this a, a thing? Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't – I knew what I was supposed to do. I just didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And so it – it's funny because I'm not like a giant risk taker in my life. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like hilarious to me that at some point in my mid-20s, I was like, I'm going to just set off and create this thing <laughs> um, that didn't really – I couldn't find any other models for it. But I could really see such a, a strong need. And so it became my mission to try to to fill that need. That's very cool. Um, so I guess we will get right into it. Um, I think – it's probably safe to say that one of the one of the most common questions we get are from people um, who they and their partner have different ideas about money. This is this is probably something that you see constantly. Absolutely, I would say honestly, like fifty percent of my caseload is. Couples. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I guess I will start with this kind of specific question that I think um, speaks to a sort of broader issue. Okay. Um, And this is from the Forever 35 Money Group, where we solicited questions for Amanda. Um, I have awful money anxiety that I'm working with my therapist through. I just can't seem to shake it, though. I grew up in an environment where money was a constant stressor. I saw cars get repossessed. My family filed for bankruptcy, and I had to walk away away from my childhood home. My church at times had to donate gift cards for groceries, and I'd wake up to hear my mom and dad fighting over money more days than not. Now that I'm an adult and my husband and I are in a very secure position with significantly more savings than a lot of 28-year-olds have. We follow a budget, put money into savings and a retirement fund, budget for fun money and vacations. And yet, I still can't shake the stress associated with money. I feel like I'm constantly hoarding money instead of enjoying my life. My husband will ask, what's the magic number that needs to be in our bank account that will make you feel safe? And honestly, I don't know. Any suggestions on how to help? I really, I love this question because I think it's so representative of a lot of people and how we <clears throat> we struggle because cognitively we can see that we are safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a, an emotional level, we just can't get ourselves to feeling mm-hmm. safe. Um, and her husband's 
approach to say, okay, I, I get it. You don't feel safe. What's the number that will make you feel safe? Um, this is where I think a lot of people just struggle to to speak each other's language yeah. or really understand what the the source of the because it's not the about the number. Is. It really isn't. Right. But but like that's a good place to start because yeah. sometimes honestly the problem is that someone is vague. They mm. may not know what the number is and once they know what the number is that may actually do the okay. trick. Um but if they have specificity, um if they're able to really be clear on the numbers and it sounds like she's able to do that because <clears throat> a lot of people they just can't even get themselves to mm. to look. Mm-hmm. Um so she's already doing sort of step 1 which is being able to look at it, but the feeling is still there. Um So very clearly in her description of what happened in the childhood is a lot of trauma around money. And trauma is remembered in the body. So she is having a a feeling problem that's masquerading as a thinking Mm, problem. Interesting. So she's trying to come at this from a problem-solving sort of an approach to say, okay, I need to get to this thing, this event that's going to make me, that's going to solve the trauma that lives in my body. But I think that the way for her to to meet that feeling and eventually move through it is to really recognize and, and sort of sit into, in a way, the depth of the trauma that she experienced there and to stop trying to talk to the, the trauma but rather to feel her way Mm. through it. So to be able, and there are lots of sort of trauma-based therapies that do address where trauma lives in the body, like uh, EMDR and sort of we we can relive aspects of the traumatic experience in order to release them and release their hold and desensitize ourselves to us. And so we're not so triggered around the topic. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I would say, and she says that she's working through it with her therapist I believe, which is great. Um, but to to try to step away from solving it externally and thinking that it is about some magic number, but just to let herself fully embrace the pain of what she experienced, mm-hmm. just like one would if they had a physical trauma, sexual trauma, um, we we tend to sort of, and I don't know why it is, but we dismiss the idea that experiencing money as a trauma is a pretty significant uh, injury that we can carry with us for the rest of our lives. And it's even more difficult because there's no way that we can really keep ourselves safe. We can't abstain from money. We can't avoid it. We're sort of forced to have to confront it and work through it eventually. But I'm glad that she has a supportive partner and a therapist. Yeah. I was just going to ask, what would your advice be for her husband in terms of how to be as supportive as he can to her? And also, just to hop onto that, how, what are some tips for two people coming to their finances, like partners in a relationship, coming to their finances from two such different experiences? How do you, or how are you able to meet in the middle where you can have a conversation where everybody feels comfortable and secure and safe? Mm, first, I would question the word comfortable um, <laughs> because I, I really do love working with couples. I'm I'm the eternal optimist, honestly, when it comes to couples and money, um, because I think that most of us do a really good job of picking a partner who's going to be the yin to our yang. Interesting. Um, and it it's because our there's a saying: your subconscious picks your partner. Um, 
Are you are you thinking about like, your partner mm, in your head? Interesting. Um, yes, most of us, I, I, it's funny, I feel like everyone confesses to me like, oh, my partner's so different from me when it comes to money. And it's like, mm-hmm. Right. You wow. Know? Yeah. But that's the, oh, the great way. Of, but <laughs> the idea of having a loving and supportive and committed partnership is that you don't have to be all things all the time. You can specialize mm-hmm. a little bit. You can fill in each other's nooks and crannies, hopefully. And... Um, it often when we when we these parts aren't sort of working together uh, fluidly, we can grind our gears and find ourselves really stuck in this this battle, this conflict, um, or a place where you know the husband is is in this case coming forward with what he envisions is is the solution. Yeah, here is the thing that's going to make this better. That the, and he probably very earnestly wants to he help his wife yeah. and have her experience some relief here. Um, but she's obviously not able to take that in. Um, so on a sort of broader, you know, looking at all couples approach, um, I think we have to to stop trying to be right. When it comes to money, and that's really tricky because money is really tied to our most basic sense of survival. I should get that tattooed on my forehead. Stop trying to be right. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay, go on. (laughs) Um, But rather look at how, like, think of it in terms of I bring these pieces to our life and my partner brings these other pieces to our lives. How do we make these fit together as well as they can? And how do we keep our process sort of fluid and loving and trusting and good communication and all of those uh, foundational process elements in order um, for you to be able to let go a little bit? And the thing that I love as a clinician about money is money is such a wonderful tool for compromise. It really is. If, If we stop saying like, savings is good and spending is bad or like, you know, you're being a miser and you need to live for today. Like if we come out of these absolutes, um, there's tremendous opportunity for us to say, I need to save X. You want to spend Y? How can we negotiate with each other? And it doesn't have to come down to like an even split dollar amount. It's more like what's most important to me? What's most important to you? How can I how I I try to move people even away from the idea of compromise to co giving, mm-hmm. like how can I give in ways that allow you to have what our money to be a resource for what you need, and how can you give to me so that money can be a resource for what I need? Boy, that is <laughs> what Dory loves to say. Reframing the narrative. I mean, is that not the definition right there? Yes. I honestly am having. Um, a little bit heart palpitations because money gives me such anxiety that even just having this conversation is making me feel anxious. That's good. See, you're in your body. Okay. You're recognizing where you are. Oh, boy. I'm feeling like my mind is being blown right me now. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when, I mean, when Amanda leaves, are you and I both just going to go in a corner and call her husband? Yeah. <laughs> like, Matt, we've got to discuss our finances <laughs> yeah. right now in a way in which I co-give. I, I thought that was a really interesting way of reframing it. I, I would have been useful during many discussions that I've had with my partner. It's really hard, though, in the moment. That's the funny thing is like we we connect with it. Yeah. Yeah. We it sounds right. Um, but when we are in that, so 
you know, when we're in survival mode, when we feel like somebody's threatening our ability to control this thing that we literally need to survive and feel safe, um, we are not necessarily in a related and grounded place. We are in our fight, uh, flight or freeze mode. And there's no, just like with the the first question about this, this overwhelming anxiety, when we're in that mode, we can't be reasoned with. We're not in a reasonable place. And so our first job is actually to not solve a money problem. It's to solve that feeling problem and try to get ourselves into a calmer state. Kate, was there another um, question or topic that stuck out to you? Actually, yeah. Um, the topic of communicating as an adult with your parents about money. Um, I was hoping you would go there. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just so simple. You guys are the best. <laughs> um, but I do have, I have friends more and more who are starting to have to care for their parents, or, or maybe they've cared for their parents all along financially, but also putting them into homes, finding medical care. So... Um, we have a couple questions on that front. How do you prepare, think through, communicate about the potential need to support parents in old age, especially um, if you grew up without money and your parents don't have money? Um, how are you expected to or how can you provide for your parents and help them when you yourself are just trying to save? And then uh, another question, how do you deal with talking to your parents about money when you are the more responsible one? Um, this person says, I grew up on the poor side, but I've always been lucky enough to have well-paying jobs having stayed out of debt and have a healthy retirement account. I'm worried about taking care of my parents as they hit retirement age, though. They're not awful with money per se, just typical Americans with a decent amount of credit card debt and very little savings. Of course, I love my family and would do whatever I could, but I also don't want to end up sacrificing my retirement to fund theirs. Even thinking about this makes me feel like a guilty monster throwing my wonderful parents on the street. So I'm not sure because I wasn't reading along with the question as, as you were reading it, but the first thing that you said was, what is expected or what can I do? And I'm not sure if the word expected was in there or if that was sort of a Freudian slip oh boy. in how you were presenting it. Yep, yep. It was a Freudian but, slip on my part. Interesting. Oh. But I think that the reason maybe that word came to you is that it it's implied in every line mm. yeah. of that problem is that we we are trying to guess what the right thing to do is. And we are deeply, deeply worried that the right thing is beyond the right thing for somebody else is beyond what we're able to do with ourselves in terms of balancing our own needs and values with the needs of another person and certainly what we're expected as a as a good person or good child um, to be able to provide or or ways that we can help and support somebody else. So it's a telling thing. And I, I think it's a good place to sort of check in with ourselves because there was an article um, a long time ago, it sort of made the rounds of the viral internet about be an asker, not a guesser. Did mm. you guys no. see that? That there are ways in which there are people who ask for what they want or need. And then there are people who try to guess what's what the other person has available or what it's okay to ask for. And we all have encountered askers. There are those people who maybe ask questions or sort of want us to like give or volunteer. And we're sort of like, oh, this is awkward. Why aren't you picking up on how awkward this is? Because I don't want to give it. And 
we and that sort of reinforces if we're guessers, like we are right. I don't want to cause this awkwardness mm-hmm. to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to guess what's appropriate and what's available. And it's a lot freer to be an asker, right, than yeah. a guesser. It's very limiting and it's a huge emotional burden. Um, so we have to maybe in this scenario when it comes to parents – put ourselves in more of an asker Hmm. mentality than a guesser mentality. So first of all, thinking again, like where, where, what's bubbling up in me that feels like an expectation? Um, Where do I, because I want to be a good person, where does my idea of a good person or good daughter start to come into not conflict, but like, you know, like there's competition for your values right? Um, Just like there's competition for your money. And so there are competing values of wanting to be a good child and support your your family. But that's also about you wanting to be a fiscally responsible adult and take care of your own financial future. So think of it as like one's not right or wrong. Again, we're stepping away from these absolutes. And we're thinking in terms of these are my resources. There's competition for these resources. How do I want to balance the desire to help my parents um, with my desire because I fully deserve to have my own needs met to take care of myself and be financially responsible to myself. Um, So first is sort of an inward look and getting clear Mm -hmm. about the money. Um, For example, like, and I'll sort of jump to the, the practical side of this answer, which is it's not binary. It's not like I have to, fulfill the entirety of my parents need in order to be supportive to them it can be look they're going to need an extra $300 a month you know in order to pay their bills can i have a boundary around what my sort of support would be and in order to do that in order to have a, a boundary we need to have clarity around what we have available to give and what their need is So it's not some big, vague sense of have and need. It's really we can be in the middle with that question. Um, But it requires, obviously, clarity and also communication to get to that point. Um, So we can cover that part of it, if you'd like. Next, the communication part. Um, It's a tough one, I will say, um, because I don't know much about what these, I mean, we know they're wonderful parents. Um, They haven't made a a giant catastrophic mess of their financial lives. We're not hearing the sort of like tumultuous trauma uh, that we had in the the first question. It's just like they're regular people, right? With financial burdens. Um, They haven't really been able to get ahead in the way that it's it's hard for so many of us to get ahead. Um, And that may be a combination of environment and their own behavior. And so we want to be able to have a way to talk to our parents that doesn't shame them for their behavior or seem judgmental of their behavior, but we want to be as neutral as possible. And that's asking a lot, right? We are not naturally neutral when it comes to money. Um, or our parents. Or our parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded topics. Um, but we can also bring the truth of where we're at and to make it more about 
feelings and the relationship than it is about, again, judging or blaming somebody for being in the circumstances that they are. So even saying like, you know, mom and dad or mom and mom and dad and dad, um, I worry about this because financial security is really important to me. And I have, I've really tried to organize my life around um, this vision for Mm -hmm. my future. And it's also important to me to be a good daughter, a good child. And I worry that you're in this situation where, where you're not going to be safe in your future. And I wouldn't be able to rest and feel secure in my own finances if I was worried about you. I wonder if this is a topic that we can look at. Um, I, you know, feel uncomfortable about it too. It's awkward for me, but I also don't want to worry and wonder. So can we have this conversation? Can we look at this together? Yes, we can. <laughs> I think that I think that's also such a great conversation to have before um, something catastrophic happens. Yes. It, because so much of our concern with our parents is as health concerns and needing if there's an emergency or if their health shifts dramatically, um, knowing what's in place financially is so key. It's <sighs> true, but it like everything, we always think I will get to it tomorrow. Yep, yep. And then you don't. Um, but you're absolutely right. It is It is so much easier to have it ahead of the yeah. event. Never think about it yeah. until the event, yeah. though. Yeah. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 
at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, well, I was hoping we could switch to the opposite side of things and talk about children. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so... This question... Um, I thought was really important. How do you raise fiscally responsible children without making them feel anxious or obsessive about money? Basically, I want my girls to understand that money is a tool to living the life you want and that you can afford anything, but not everything. Um, And then a related question was, how open should you be about your finances with your children? Mm. Oh, interesting question. These are good ones. So if I, if I wander, I hope you'll, Bring Please. me back and refocus me <laughs> because there's a lot in there. Um, so we all, if we're parents, want to raise fiscally responsible children, right? We've seen children who we consider sort of spoiled or maybe we've considered our own children spoiled. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's tricky because I, in my opinion, um, there's no one size fits all sort right. of method to use. Um, and I say that because my secret slash not so secret fear as a parent is that I'm definitely in a like cobbler's children have no shoes sort of household. Um, oh, interesting. Yes. Like I am very up on the literature <laughs> of how to raise fiscally responsible children. But the practical application of that yeah. isn't necessarily so consistent with my parenting style, which is a little bit more like um, just related in the moment and and not always as structured as I know other structured parents are. So like people who are really structured in their approach to parenting, I think the advice, they, they want to take in advice. They just want instructions. Tell me how to do it. Mm-hmm. I'll do it. Um, I have the instructions, but we tend to be a little bit more freewheeling in our chaotic household. So for all you other sort of chaotic household families out there. Um, Can I ask a quick question? Sorry to interrupt. How old are your children? How many Uh, children do you have? I have two girls, uh, 11 and almost seven. Okay, great. And we started very early with like, let's do allowance Uh and we'll work on like jars of spend, save and give. And and first, (laughs) we never had change to give allowance. That was our first hurdle. We did not have single dollar bills. Um, then I got dollar bills, but we would just forget to do allowance. That's because where I'm at. The challenge was my young child was not interested in money. My eldest. Oh, interesting. She like I was bringing the horse to water, and the horse was not drinking. Yeah. Um, and so we just sort of waited on really active, sort of prescriptive teaching of money with her. And in the meantime, I what I focused on was creating more of a sort of like 
passively positive environment for her with money and trying to engage her in developmentally appropriate ways. Like if we went to a restaurant or we were at the grocery store, I'd be like, how much do you think this dinner cost? Or how much do you think the groceries were? Just to ground her in like, she's very aware of the food that we usually have in the house. Does she have an idea of the dollar amount associated with that food? Mm. Um, And then we could talk about tipping, you know, in a Mm -hmm. restaurant and all these ways that Mm. children need to learn to operate money. Um, But in my experience, children have a very, very narrow span of attention when it comes to like, quote unquote, very special talks about (laughs) money. Um, so really just trying to make it to to set the – to normalize the the idea that money is something that we need to think about and know how to use and make decisions about. It's something that it's okay to discuss. Um, and of course, when it comes to discussions about money, that quickly goes from me, you know, asking, engaging questions around how much groceries cost to like, so – are we rich? <clears throat> Are we poor? You know, those more uncomfortable right. things. Is so-and-so rich? Um, how much does our house cost? You know, like, these are the questions that, like, turn our blood cold, I think. Yeah. Um, how much money do you make? Right. Yeah. Um, is that more or less than so-and-so? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, so one tip slash trick for parents is <clears> – <throat> To think about or or to get space to think about it because we are going to have an immediate reaction to that. Um, And one way that you can get space and also better understand where the question is coming from is saying, huh, why do you ask? Because Mm. you may be thinking of an answer to a question which is not actually the question. Mm. That's such good advice. You need to be an asker. (laughs) Children are askers. They're great askers. Unless you shame them around money, and then they become guessers of what's mm. appropriate okay. to talk about. But mm-hmm. we shouldn't be guessers with our own children. No, we should really like right. yeah. make sure that curiosity about money, interest in money, is something that is really, really treated as normal and acceptable. Mm-hmm. And even if we're giving messages around like that's private. Um, I'm not comfortable talking about that just now because here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid because it's private that, you know, you're a little kid and you'll talk about it with your friends. So maybe we save that to talk about when you're a little older. So you are validating the child's right to ask the question. You're validating your own, you're, you're establishing your own right to say what's what your boundaries are around talking about it. But you're also acknowledging the feeling because children because they're dependent little creatures are programmed to be super sensitive to adults feelings so for example if if a child asks these sensitive questions and the parent is uncomfortable but the parent is not able to sit with their own feelings of discomfort a parent might shame the child for asking that question and the child knows on an intuitive emotional level the child's picking up what you're feeling yeah And what you're saying is, I blame you for making me uncomfortable by asking this question. Mm. And that's a lot for a kid to burden, uh, to carry that burden with them into their their adult relationship with money. Um, So it's okay to to be in this space with your child and normal to help socialize them around what questions and conversations and information is appropriate to get into um, without sort of throwing off your own emotional 
burden as a sort of shame rock that you mm. then heap on your child's psyche. How's that for a comfortable Ooh, metaphor? Shame rock. <laughs> we haven't heard that one before, the shame rock. No, but I like it. it just came up with it right here. Um, did, did, was there one more question that really spoke to you? Well, actually, before oh, yes. we... Sorry, because this was a thing that I, I wanted to circle back on. Oh, yeah. Um, I talked a lot just now about my older daughter yeah, um, and how we approached money with her. And one of the things that has been most humbling but helpful for me in the, the idea of parenting around money is how different my children are mm. when it comes to money. And that released me in a way from feeling like there's there's mm. a set program that one can do that makes a financially responsible child. Um, because my older one is now that she's 11, you know, she's a good saver. She's saved. I mean, she saved her allowance for a year and a half and bought an iPad. Wow. Like, I mean, she's she's great at managing money. My little one only wants to make money. Like she essentially like sprung from the womb as like a shark tank contestant. <laughs> she and she just wants to have even as a little kid lemonade stands and she would set like a you know, lemonade is what, like 50 cents, a dollar? Like she was like, lemonade is $2. And then she would be like a carnival barker outside of our house, just shaking down adults oh my God. for money and like using the power of like five-year-old cuteness as a wow. weapon to just make money. Her favorite thing right now is she uses her allowance to go to flea markets and buy stuff that she then plays auction. This is her favorite thing where she auctions this junk to her father and I and coerces us into like giving her more money. We don't know how to stop this. We don't want to buy this junk from her, but like we feel like it's kind of also a good thing to play. Has she watched Flea Market Flip? She has not, but but she does. (laughs) I I mentioned Shark Tank because that's her favorite show and she's still just six. Oh my God. Wow. What an interesting kid. Fascinated with money. She wants like a, she saw somebody who had a towel that had like a hundred dollar bill printed on it. And she's like, I want that towel. <laughs> like she's obsessive. Wow. Around getting money. Yeah. And my older daughter is very into like animal rescue and, and she has a big heart for animals. And she asked me the other day, like, what's the best job where I can make a lot of money, but I don't have to work that much oh. because I just want to have that, that money. <laughs> I know, but she wants that money to rescue animals. Aww. So she realizes that like to do things that she wants to do, you need money. Right. But she's like, I know that there's, I don't make money from rescuing animals. So I need to like make money over here to do this thing. Whereas the little one's just straight up like, I want to be rich. <laughs> just hustling oh yeah. everywhere. I love it. <laughs> But these children require very different – I have to meet them where they are. Yeah. yeah. And they require such radically different things in terms of me being a good fit in providing them the support they need to grow into right. healthy, good, financially responsible adults. Um. Can we ask this question about spending? That's the one I wanted to okay, ask. Great. The last one? Yes. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> um. Okay. I am working on getting myself out of credit card debt. 
I have a monthly budget and I'm actively putting more than my minimum to pay them off. I've been able to shift some of my impulsiveness away from buying things like makeup, clothes, etc., but still find myself excusing this when it comes to food. Whether it's buying produce or supplements all in the name of, quote, wellness, I end up going over my budget every month. Any tips for addressing positive behavior and habit change in regards to impulse spending would be wonderful. Um, I have two thoughts in response to this question. Number one is to to try to get a sense of um, neutrality, if not softening our judgment to ourselves um, when it comes to the ways that we use money to take care of ourselves. So again, in the sort of matrix of competing needs idea, there's a, a need for or a desire for financial security in the form of, of being debt-free. Um, but there's also a need to take care of ourselves today and to feel like our money is there to to nurture us and um and provide the things or give us the need, uh, give us the things that we need in the moment to to feel our best, mm. right? Um, and these are not necessarily absolute. So I, I would look, n- number one, at where that needle is for this uh, person sending in this question. And, and it might be that in order to stay on track, she needs to adjust a little bit more over into the today's needs side as opposed to the future. Sometimes the the rate at which we try to achieve goals uh, is overly taxing to us and we will eventually either sort of abandon it or rebel. I mean, these are small rebellions, but sometimes we just can't, we can't get ourselves to a long-term goal for trying to get there too quickly. And I will say for me personally, that was the thing that ultimately helped me get out of debt was that I was really trying to give, I I was using a budget as a form of punishment, really. I was Mm. bad for being in debt. And so I would try to give, I would try to have nothing in my life and put everything toward getting out of debt. And my mother was the one, once I confessed that I was in this situation, who helped me come up with having an amount of money a discretionary sort of budget for myself each month that was sufficient. So I didn't feel trapped. I didn't feel the need to rebel or act out or abandon it. And once I had that and that felt stable for me, then I was able to just move consistently through pain because I needed to be taken care of and to feel safe first. So it may be that this person really just needs to tweak her formula a little bit Um so that's one possibility. And the other possibility is I'm wondering sort of how she's categorizing these things. So like we can get a sense that like impulse spending on like fun things, frivolous things is bad, right? But if it's for our body, hmm, if it's food, if it's wellness, those are good expenses. Um, so maybe those are okay, and yet that spending is in conflict with the goal that she has set for herself. So maybe to just sort of reframe as it's not, it's not about impulse is bad. It's not about um, things that take care of my body, food, et cetera, are good. Um, it's just I really need to, to tune out that voice that says I need to have this and I need to, to do I need to take steps to stay focused on my goal of getting out of debt. Um, I also wonder, because 
one thing that I see a lot with clients is um, how we use money to self-regulate. So it may be that that these little treats, if you will, are sort of giving her a mood boost. Like I'd be curious, I would ask her if I was sitting down with her, sort of when is this occurring? Is it at the end of your work day? Is it on the weekend where you maybe feel bored or you're trying to decompress from the anxiety of the week? Like really looking at where that behavior is rooted in the schedule and events of her life um, and seeing if maybe she needs to just sort of be able to meet her her stress need in a different way. But what we don't want to do is ignore the underlying need, try to just, you know, shove it down. Um, But a way to be gentle with ourselves in that moment so that we can process the emotion and move through it without needing to act on it. I'm going to take that and use it (laughs) for sure. All of this. Mm -hmm. Really just speaking to me. Yeah. Amanda, this was amazing. I'm yeah. so glad. It's, it's been so helpful. It's just, it's always, I mean, I love it. Truly, I, I love being here. I love this topic. I love this work. But it is always, It's it keeps fueling my mission because I feel like in most cases when I'm talking about it, it's a new message for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels that way to me. They haven't thought about it. And that to me is just such a, a sort of sign of of where we struggle as a culture, as a society, um, to really be in a healthy place financially as individuals, as couples and families, as societies, and then, you know, what are our priorities um, as a nation? Yeah. Um, So we mentioned your website at the top of the show, AmandaClayman.com. Is there anywhere else that you want people to find you? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Manda Clay, M-A-N-D-A-C-L-A-Y. Um, I am on Instagram, Amanda Clayman. I have a Facebook page. Um, and can people work with you remotely as well as locally? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I do love to do workshops and, and things and we'll travel sometimes to do that. Um, but certainly you can get in touch with me online. Great. Cool. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. Thank you guys. So, Kate, how did Christmas shopping go? Well, Dory. Yes. I'm still at it. Okay. But I have made a big dent in it, which is good. That's impressive. Especially because I'm trying to buy things from small businesses. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to really do that early because they, Mm. not all of them have the same, you know, like you can't overnight via Amazon Prime from a small business. Right. So I'm trying to be a little bit more conscientious as a shopper but i will tell you one thing that i have decided to do yes i got an email today from a friend of mine whose daughter's gymnastics team is doing a gift wrapping fundraiser mm-hmm. and you make a donation and they wrap all your presents Ooh, and that's I, worth every penny yeah i <laughs> i hate wrapping it takes me forever and i'm not good at it you know how some people are good rappers mm-hmm. so my thought was that i'm if i get my stuff together i could maybe make this donation to a gymnastics team which seems worthwhile totally get my gifts wrapped love it so there we go that's my plan but it's in action okay i have started which okay. i feel really good about because i'm not an early gift getter right and i'm also one thing i might do for my family is make a donation to different place in a, a different place in everybody's honor Nice, you know, and so I'm doing my research. Good person, yeah. No, I'm. I mean, I'm fine. Mm, You're a good person. (laughs) I think I'm fair. I would say I'm average. But thank you. Okay, so tell me, um, 
your kitchen, which I've seen, mm-hmm. you were going to finish setting it up. Yep. And start cooking again. Yep. I did start cooking again. Congratulations. Thank you. What did you make? Do you recall? I made a meal kit. But still, it's food. It was food that I made myself. Yeah. And I ate it. Congrats. <laughs> I didn't just heat something up in the microwave or order takeout. You know? Yeah, you know, you made a, you made a food. I made a food, um, which, you know was something that I usually enjoy doing that I just stopped doing for a long time. And have you gotten resettled into your new kitchen space? Yeah, it's like pretty much done. I feel like, I mean, I mentioned this earlier in the episode, but like, I feel like I really brought all of my organizing, my newly learned organizing skills to bear. One thing I, one thing we're going to touch upon in a later episode is kind of what we've taken away from doing this podcast mm-hmm. for a year. And I do feel like both of us have gotten more organized or not even gotten more organized but like learned a little bit how to do it yes or maybe just learned how to buy bins <laughs> well one thing I learned about myself and I don't want to get too far afield here but one thing I learned about myself a, a while ago is that if I buy a bin it needs to be clear oh same like you gotta see in the bin get out of here with your opaque bins or your straw baskets or your, exactly they look nice but how do you know what's in How it? How do you know what's in it? I'm going to soon replace the straw baskets in my bathroom with clear bins. Maybe we should do an, a whole episode just dedicated to clear, clear bins. bins. <laughs> the joy of a clear bin. <laughs> oh, so well, okay, what, we got next what is week on here. tap for, for this coming week? So, Dory. Yes. I was doing so well getting in bed early. Mm. I was doing so well reading at night mm-hmm. and just winding down. I'm going to be honest with you. I've lost it. Oh, no. I've lost it. I don't know where it's gone. It's within reach. Okay. But I need to pull it back. Okay. You know, I definitely was on my phone doing a deep dive. I just love a deep, you know, like the 1145 deep dive is Mm. something on my phone is not something I need to be doing. No. But I was doing it. The phone needs to be asleep at that time. The phone gets tired. The phone does need a good eight hours. That's what I'm saying. So um, I've got to, I've got to try to find my way back to that because it was feeling really great and I've kind of let it slide. It's very, Mm. it's very interesting how it's so easy to slide back into our cozy old habits that it don't really serve us. it really is there's a book that i didn't read that came out a few years ago called the power of habit oh that might be a good one to read yeah i'm trying i started how to break up with your phone i just have not gotten past <laughs> the beginning are you reading it on your phone it's an audiobook because <laughs> i had a lot of credits interesting Audible, which is on my phone <laughs> you know hmm. <laughs> i see what happened okay well how about you? Uh, well, um, as you and I briefly discussed off air, I have a new personal project that I'm working on. Yeah, you do. And I'm going to try to kind of get it into, into a good place this week. I'm excited about Thanks. that. Thanks. I don't mean to be like mysterious about it, listeners, but... You're working on something that you're trying to really make into a concrete thing. Yes. All will be revealed in good time. Well, and I also think you had a spell of not feeling well in the first first and a half trimesters of your pregnancy mm-hmm. where it was hard, you know, you, you were really resting and nurturing and taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So now you're kind of coming back to some things. The old me. What do you say? Ill? The, the old oh, me. Oh, the old you. Yeah. I said the ill me. The ill me. <laughs> the old door. Or just the... 
The revised Dory. Yeah. Dory 2.0, <laughs> if you will. Well, well on that note, gee. gee whiz. Here we are. Um, It's been great talking to you. Likewise. As usual. And listeners, it's always great talking to you. Mm-hmm. If you want to wringle dingle us. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I do that? Oh my God. Ringle dingle. Ringled, give us the old ringle dingle. Is that a thing? That sounds so dirty. Oh, it does. It does sound dirty. Like by ringle dingle, oh I meant give us a call at her voicemail, which is 781-591-0390. And you can email us or ringle dingle us on the email, which is forever35podcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. And under the about section, you can see all of the many many spinoff groups there's a gratitude group yeah keeps my heart afloat it's that so group. nice so great yeah um and uh the password is serums mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes should have mentioned that and if you like the show leave us a review on apple podcast tell a friend or mention us on social media and our instagram is at forever 35 podcast and our twitter is at forever 35 pod and dory is every product that we mentioned on the show available on our website forever35podcast.com i believe it is Kate. well there you go Oh, yeah. This podcast, Forever 35, is hosted and produced by Dory Shafir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Bye, y'all. Ringle dingle. Ew. <laughs> <laughs>